maybe take our burden home with you. And maybe you won't end up in Thailand as a missionary in Thailand. Maybe you will. Come on. I can guarantee you come, you'll find at least one missionary that you're better than. <laughs> but maybe you won't come to Thailand. But if we have shown by way of pictures and tell stories and things like that, things that stick with you that you take home and pray about and you're burdened with, we felt like maybe we have been successful in some way in this short time that we spend together with you. This is our heart. As I said, and I'll repeat it, the last few years have been the absolute most difficult years of our lives. The kind of difficult that maybe I shouldn't say this, maybe hopefully the 20 years that we've been here will have some kind of credibility that say this guy's just a quitter or something. The kind of years that we say, man, it's just time to pack it in and go home. We've absolutely felt that way. And the challenges are, are, still continue. We just showed you some pictures, and we have updates to them. You saw in our pictures people being baptized, a couple, a couple guys named uh, Mushir and Shumer, and a guy named Azar. Those aren't, aren't Thai-sounding names, really. You don't have to be Thai to know Shumer and Mushir. That doesn't sound like a Thai name. They're not Thai. That many years ago, they came to Thailand illegally as uh, refugees, uh, Christians in religion who had left, fled Pakistan because their lives were in danger, came to Thailand because they could get a, a, a tourist visa on arrival in Thailand and then just stayed in Thailand illegally until they could get a third country to, to sponsor them. Uh, in the last six months since we've been home, all uh, those two different families, Azar and his family, Mushir Shumer and their family, were sponsored, one to go to Canada, and just a couple weeks ago, another family was able, they were sponsored to go to Hungary. So we've lost church members who have been part of our ministry. The, the real loss, truly, in our ministry is Mushir and Shumer because those kids, they came as very young men to Thailand, and they grew up in Thailand, so they speak Thai. They became part of Thai culture, and they were very much involved in our church over the last six years. Uh, we led them both to the Lord, even though they came to Thailand as Christians, they were Christian in religion, but never had made any kind of profession of faith in Christ. They'd been baptized as infants, but knew nothing of being born again. So we led them to the Lord, and I had the, uh, the privilege of uh, discipling them and baptizing them both. And then just a couple weeks ago, they were sponsored to go to Hungary. So we've lost a very important family in our church that way. And then Gunn. That young man that we showed pictures, we led him to the Lord in the prison ministry, discipled him in prison. He got out of prison, came to our church, and from the beginning of being in the first year at our church, he said he wanted to serve the Lord. And we said, Gun, here's what you need to do. You need to prove yourself faithful. Build a reputation that other people are willing to see and follow. And that doesn't start with you from serving the Lord from day one out of prison. Each year, for about four years, there'd be once a year he'd come to us and say, God wants, I know God wants me in ministry. Will you sponsor me to go and study the Bible and be faithful? Finally, after four years of him being faithful, proving himself, and then the people of our church seeing in him the kind of person that they would will, be willing to listen to, we sent him to Bible college. And uh, he did well. And over the last year, he did an internship at our church, and we saw some things that needed improvement, and frankly, he knew himself he was not ready to be a pastor. Um, 
And then his internship ended and him knowing that he's not ready to be a pastor. However, there were other churches that were willing to pay his salary and to, if he would go and pastor their church right now. And it was just about a month ago that he accepted the call from another church uh, to be their pastor. And so he has left in the last month as well, not leaving and turning his back on the Lord, but to go into a ministry that was willing to pay his salary immediately. And we're, we wish him all the best in the world. He went to that church knowing that he's not ready to be a pastor, but this was a job that paid a salary immediately. So our coworkers have dealt with those things while we have been here in America, and that's a weight on them. Can you feel that weight? Uh, we feel that. We, praise the Lord, we don't feel like we're starting over, but losing people who were directly involved in the ministry every week, one who we hoped in the future would be the leader of our church where we could then turn it over and go and start again and do it all over again, um, he has left. Now, the good news is, praise the Lord for this, the, the last chapter of Gunn's story and the, is not written, and the last chapter of Ben Glau Baptist Church's story is not written either, so maybe this is all part of God's perfect plan for us where things happen and things change. I don't know that, but God's still good, even though we don't know exactly how this is going to turn out in the coming days. That's the most recent update on Pinglau. I have a PowerPoint. Is it possible to get it up on that screen too or not possible? Okay, then I'm going to do this. I thought I'd spend time talking. Some of you have seen some, of, some pictures of this and heard different things about this in times past, but I find this really, really helpful to talk about when we go and visit churches like yours that support us, to give an idea of what it's like to minister in a Buddhist country. Before I get into it too deeply, this is our family. A real quick update on our family. Our oldest children, Ryan and Hudson. Ryan is, has graduated from high school. She is now working a job, not sure what the Lord has for her future. She will be staying here in America when we go back to Thailand in May. Hudson is a senior now. He'll be graduating from high school on May 17th. He'll also be staying. He actually, all of our kids and ma'am, they all have dual citizenship. Part of, for Hudson, his dual citizenship, his citizenship in, in Thailand means that when he turns 18, he would have to register for the draft, the military draft in Thailand. And that's about a 50-50 shot of being drafted. He grew up as a missionary kid in Thailand in a Christian family, and he doesn't speak Thai very well. That combination, if he were drafted, he would be probably really, really damaged. And so we just told him a couple years ago as we prepare for this furlough, when we come back to the States, son, you're just not going to have the opportunity or the option to go back to Thailand with us because of the draft. So he, he really can't go back to Thailand probably until he's 23, 24 years old because of that. So he is preparing himself to stay here in America. He doesn't know exactly what the Lord has for him in the future either. You can pray for both of those, Ryan and Hudson. So we come home this time with five. We'll go back to, to Thailand in May with three. I don't want to talk about that anymore. <laughs> Buddhist beliefs. I, in our presentation a moment ago, I said that the Thailand is a country of 69 million people. Now that's actually not true anymore. It's, there, it's, it's 71 million. I was off a little bit there. Now it's 71 million. Talking about Buddhist beliefs. When, we, when you see pictures of this in our Western Christian mind, you see people bowing down to idols like you see here in these pictures. In our Western Christian mind, we think to ourselves that they are what? They are 
worshiping, right? They're worshiping. That's not what's happening. Buddhism is an atheistic religion. There is no God to be worshiped. So if that's the case, what are they doing when they bow down to these images? I'm glad you asked. What they're doing, again, it's not worship. What they're doing, they're going to a specific idol that they believe has power. They believe that they're the spirit of that particular Buddha image that has been confined and lives in that Buddha image has power to answer prayer. And so they're going in times of need. This is not worship. When, when they're, in times of need, they'll go and they'll bow down. They'll say prayers and do chants to, to this image that they believe has power. And they're asking for one of four or five very tangible things that has nothing to do with worship. They're asking, I'm not making this up. This is absolutely, and for years I didn't know this. For years in my mind, I see these people bowing down to an image, and I thought, oh, they're worshiping the same way I do at church every Sunday when I sing praises to God. And that's not what's happening. They're asking for money, different ways of asking for money, just directly asking for money or asking literally to win the lottery. You'd be shocked to know, and maybe it would be a little disappointing to know because it looks so good, it looks so reverent when they're bowing down, do they not? To find out they're just asking for lottery numbers. And this is a high percentage. So one, money. Two, good health. You see a person bowing down, there's a high probability that they're asking for, there's someone either, that person himself or herself or someone in their family who is sick and so they're asking for a good health. Three, a good job. Four, good entrance exam scores into university. When you see young people doing it, it looks so good. And then you find out what, what they're actually doing has nothing to do with worship, has everything. It's, I, I'm going to use the word transactional. What they're doing, they're saying, if you do this for me, money, health, job, entrance exam scores, I will do, I'll, I'll make a donation to this temple, I'll donate certain things, I'll dance so many times around this image and show, and, my, and saying thank you. That's what's happening when, people, when a Buddhist bows down to an image of Buddha. It is not worship. If that's the case, then how do we communicate worship? For years, I made the mistake of saying, you know how you, should, how, what you, how you feel about Buddha? How much more should you feel about the God of heaven? And it did not connect. And I always wondered why. Because they don't feel that way about the Buddha. So how do we communicate worship? We've, well, I learned over the years, they love the, their king, especially king number nine. We're on king number 10 now in this dynasty. King number nine was the longest reigning monarch in the world. In the world. And they love him to the point of revering him. So when I communicate worship to the Thai mind in a way that actually communicates how we should revere God, I say, how do you feel about king number nine? And they go on. Everything good that he did for Thailand. How much, and then I say, how much more should we feel and revere the one who made us, therefore owns our souls? That's how I communicate worship to the Thai mind, not by talking that they should quit worshiping the Buddha and start worshiping God, because that, that, they don't do that to Buddha. So there is real no worship in Buddhism. The, there, another idea that's difficult that I took, I didn't know, and I should, maybe should have known, but I just learned in the last few years, is the idea of sin, and this word abat. It's, a, it's a, one of the words used for sin, and here's the idea. 
In Buddhism right now, modern-day Buddhism, especially Southeast Asian Buddhism, there is an idea that is, it is a sin, a sin, to ask a question that has no answer. I'll give you an illustration. One of my, one of my pastor friends, Thai pastor now, before he became a Christian, he spent time as a monk. In his meditation, he started to ask questions about where we come from. So he goes to the head abbot, the head monk of the monastery and the temple that he was serving in, and he says to the head abbot, how did the world come into existence? It can't always have been. And I have another question. <laughs> Where do we come from? Because there's enough difference between animals and humans that it doesn't seem we came from animals. The monk said to him, that is a sin to ask that kind of question because those are questions that have no answers. So for the un... No, let's... We have those things in our hearts already. But for the unregenerate mind, when, when, when the unregenerate mind comes up with a question and another person who's higher in stature and has some religious authority says, that is a sin to think about that. What does that do for the unregenerate mind? One thing it does, it's kind of like license, is it not? If this guy says, stop thinking about it, I'm just going to go live life and have fun right? That's the unregenerate mind. Because we're always looking for a chance to party. <laughs> and so that's many Thai people today. He, my, my, my own monk said, quit thinking about it, so I'm just going to live life. And that's how most of Thailand lives now. The other side of the story is that the book of Ecclesiastes and other places in Scripture, I think of Ecclesiastes right off the top of my head, where it says, God has put what in the heart of every man? Eternity. And so it's in the heart of every man, whether they have the answer or not. And that's an end to their lives as well. Thailand. So you have Buddhism that doesn't give the answers to the, 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 the deepest answers to the heart of every human. Buddhism has done in Asia, you might be more familiar what Catholicism has done in places like South America. Most of South America now is Catholic. However, if you go to a Catholic church, you'll see things that are decidedly not Catholic, like scary-looking gargoyles and weird images that are decided. They look almost uh, Aztecian or in some places Mayan more than, than, than Roman Catholic, Right? Because why? Because Roman Catholicism just swallowed up the local religion and added to it as long as they would take on the idea of God, Jesus, and Mary, right? Well, that's what, Buddh that's what Buddhism did in Asia. It went in and it just swallowed up the local religion. And the, I, I'm convinced that the, the what's the katang? Uh, it's like the, what, your computer, the, the factory settings, there you go. The factory setting of the unregenerate heart is what? I think, personally, it's animism. The, the idea of worshiping spirits. You know that there's something that's living, that's alive, that you cannot see. And so, what really governs the, 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 the sort of the life, the, 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 in some cases, the emotions and the actions of a Thai person in many cases is superstition, which comes from their animism before Buddhism came and swallowed it up. And here's an illustration of this. Some of you have seen this before. This truck right here, as you look at this truck, 
This truck could maybe be one of three colors. It could be what? Tell me what those colors possibly could be. One, what? Looks like I heard someone say silver or maybe gray, possibly white, maybe. Any, is there any confusion that this truck is not black? Anyone confused about that? Good, we're on the same page. The sticker on that truck right there says, Rotkanisidam, this truck is black. So here's what happens. Here's what happens. A person, a Thai guy, is in the market for a new truck. He goes to a medium or maybe to a monk who communicates with the spirit world, and he says, what's my lucky color? I'm in the market for a new truck, but I want to know before I go and purchase this new truck, what's my lucky color? I don't want to buy an unlucky color because I'm going to have an accident. I could kill myself, my family. I could damage someone else. It's going to cost me money. So what's my lucky color? The medium that he goes, talks to, the fortune teller or the monk, they do some kind of ceremony, communicate with the spirit world. They come back and they say, I'm getting, the spirits are telling me your lucky color is black. And prospective truck owner says, well, I'm not dumb. I live in Thailand. It's a million degrees. We're on the face of the sun here in Thailand. <laughs> I'm not getting a black truck. And then the medium spirit person says, I got just the thing for you. I have these stickers that I've blessed. I've done chance over and I've blessed. If you buy this sticker from me, slap it on the back of your truck and this sticker will fool the spirits. So you see these, these vehicles all over Thailand, this truck is black, this car is red, and it's not red. Because they're doing this to fool the spirits. Now, I don't want to get beat up, but in my cynical mind, here's what I think when I see this. I, I never say this because, again, I, I like my teeth intact. Um, but in my mind, I'm thinking, so you're telling me the spirits can read, but they're colorblind. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There are glasses these days that, have, that help people with color blindness that maybe the spirits could then, I don't know. But this is really what governs many of the decisions of a Thai person on any given day. More, they live life based on fears than on beliefs. I, I do this not because I believe it. I do this because I'm afraid if I don't, something bad is going to happen to me. Frankly, this is totally off subject. Frankly, there are a lot of Christians that do that way too because we just don't trust the nature of God. Some of that comes from legalism. Some comes from liberalism where we just don't trust the absolute goodness of God. Anyway, back to the regularly scheduled program. How a, how a Buddhist thinks. So I've given you a little bit about what they believe, how they think, and what it comes down to is this. Here's one thing, and this says, which means if you don't believe it, don't disrespect it. There are many different beliefs about spirits and thoughts about spirits, and, and everyone has their own different one. So you could go anywhere in Thailand, and every Thai person will know this thing. If you don't believe, if you don't have the same belief, do not disrespect my belief. And then you have these missionaries from another country come and say, Jesus is the only way. Your way will not save you. You can see the challenge there? Because everyone knows this. And then there's another part of their thought and what they, how they think, and that is honor is more important than truth. I'm going to read that again. Let that sink in. Honor is more important than truth. This is decidedly not Western thinking. However, as America goes on, you guys, 
we are fast becoming that kind of culture as well, where objective truth is being set aside. We don't call it honor, but it's what? It's, it's not offending those who, whose truth is different than your truth. And, as, and that, that's just moving away and becoming, frankly, more pagan, where honor is more important than truth. And I give you the illustration of these two guys right here, both... There are, a group, there's a, there's, there are four guys. These two guys are the closest to me. The guy on the left in the green shirt, his name is O. The guy on the right in the black shirt, his name is M. If you've read our prayer letters, you've prayed for these guys for years. Both of these guys have, have said, and I think even if they were here with us today, they would say, I know Jesus is the only way to heaven. I know if I don't accept Christ as my Savior, I will go to hell and pay the penalty of my own sin in hell. They've admitted those things freely open and openly with me. And after, at that point, I did not just ask them. Our friendship was close enough. I pleaded with them, trust Christ, man. What are you waiting for? And they said, Pastor Nathan, you just simply do not understand my family. If I accept Christ, I will be kicked out of my family, and I will have no family of my own. Try living in a place, Pastor Nathan. Try living in a culture where you're, you have no family. And you have no culture because you've, given, you've turned your back on that. You, can't, you don't understand what I live with. And so to this day, they both give, made that proclamation. They know exactly who Jesus is. Am especially. He was under deep conviction. He had, one morning, we, he came to an evangelistic camp with us. His mom was there with him as well. He's getting ready to leave his cabin. He says to his mom, Mom, would you allow me to become a Christian today? She said to him, Em, if you, if you become a Christian today, never call me mom again. He comes to the witnessing time with me. He's like, Pastor Nathan, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And I said, Em, you know what you need to do. You do it. He's like, I, just, I can't. I can't. And to this day, he still has not accepted Christ. They have this weight of knowing, knowing what they need. I'm still of the mindset, and I go back and forth of this because... There's what I believe is God's truth, and it's challenged with what I see in front of me. And my belief is that when they understand, when they truly understand the weight of their own sin, there's nothing that's going to keep them from Christ. But my experience tells me, well, it's been 10 years now, and they still haven't accepted Christ. Morality and sexuality keep the cart going here a little bit for time. Some of you will remember these discussions as well. In Buddhism, Buddhism does not address specifically immorality. All Buddhism says is simply this. Do not commit adultery. So in the Buddhist mind, it's not even practiced this way. In the Buddhist mind, anything outside of marriage, any sexual relationship outside of, if people are married and they do things outside of their marriage relationship, that's okay, that's sinful. But if you're not married absolutely anything goes. i show you this. This girl right here used to be one of Thailand's most famous models. Here she is again. Here she is with her boyfriend. I'll go back to this one right here. She's a very attractive girl. She's a guy. That's a man. So this is not, this used to be more shocking when I would talk about these things five, six years ago in America. Now it's not so much because America is fast quickly moving this direction. This has been in Thailand longer than I've been a missionary in Thailand. When I stepped 
foot on Thailand for a survey trip, my very first time in 1997. I was seeing uh, whatever they call them, transgender, cross-dressers. You see them everywhere. If you, you see them everywhere, especially if you live in Bangkok. You're going to see these every single day that you, if you live in Bangkok. You get outside of Bangkok, you'll see them around not nearly as prevalent as you see in Bangkok. You go into a mall, into a department store. You go into the cosmetic section. Any cosmetic section, any store, any mall, if there's a cosmetic section, 60, 70% of the people who sell cosmetics are either transgender or cross-dressers. Everywhere. Homosexuality is completely open, accepted, promoted. In fact, there are Catholic schools in Bangkok that the whole culture of the school is gay. You go to this school, it's, you go there because it's a gay school, and you're going there because you want to be in a community of gay people. So the whole school is gay. That's the culture of the school. It's open, promoted, more than just accepted. Um, and this is every, everyday life, and especially, especially in Bangkok. I say that, and that's a little shocking, I guess. It's a, it's a little shocking, but some of you have heard me say this before, and I'll say it again, and that is, if God calls us to a place and a people, and, and mixed in with that place and that people are people who have this lifestyle, I would feel that we had not done our job if we did not minister to those people. So I say it this way. If my community in the Pinklao area of Bangkok has homosexuals, has transgender, has cross-dressers, if, and you, I, I think you should... More than just you, I, yeah, than just you hope, I think you should expect of a missionary like me that if, if we're going into a community, we're going to try to reach whoever is in that community. So then if those people are in that community, we should be trying to reach them. Take it a step further. If they're in my community, I frankly should want them in my church. And I'm here to tell you, I want these people in my church. Because there's one place and one place alone where lives are changed, where the true meaning of life is found, and it had better be the church of Jesus Christ. I say it this way as well. If we have those people in our community and we're not reaching them, or let's change the subject, make it a little easier. If in our community we have drug addicts, and we're not reaching drug addicts. If in our community we have religious people that are just really, really self-righteous people that are often just come across as a jerk, and we're not reaching them, at some point you say to me, well, who are the people in your picture then? Right? And I, can I very respectfully turn that back on you? If in Johnstown you have self-righteous people who think they need nothing, and you're not reaching them, if in Johnstown there are drug addicts and you're not reaching them, or gay people, and you're not reaching them, a couple questions come to my mind. One question that comes quickly is, when the current crop of Johnstown, Independent Baptist Church people move on, die out, and so on, who's going to be left? And if we're not reaching them, another question, if we're not reaching those people, who are we reaching? You would have every right, and you should ask me those questions. 
and we turn it back on you very respectfully as well. I want these people in my church. So in the community at Binglao, we have all kinds of people. I wrote down, just in the pictures that you've seen just today, this isn't everyone in our church, but just in the last five years, you've seen pictures of, and by way of, most of these are salvation and baptism. We have a, in the pictures you just saw, we have a former prisoner who was in jail for selling drugs. One of the people you saw in these pictures received baptism in the last five years. An economist educated in England. Now his job is making policy, financial policy for the country of Thailand. We have poor people who live on government assistance that you saw in these pictures. You saw an engineer educated at Thailand's most prestigious engineering university. You saw refugees seeking asylum in a country that was not their country of birth. You saw a movie producer. You saw a day laborer who sells clothing at an open market. You saw a translator. <laughs> and one of those people that you saw in the pictures just a moment ago, you saw someone go through the waters of baptism who months before came to our church the very first time, <laughs> openly gay, came into our church dressed, pronouncing his homosexuality. But he came to our church because years ago he had a friend who is a Christian, and his friend told him that Jesus offers hope and meaning. He didn't think anything of his friend's words those many years ago. But life became difficult for this young man. And he came to our church, now it's about a year ago, looking for hope. My coworker started a Bible study with him, and it wasn't two months into that Bible study that this young man accepted Christ. My coworker's next question to me was, Nathan, when do, how, how quickly should I talk to him about his lifestyle? And my advice was, why don't, you, why don't you teach him the Bible? And if the Spirit of God is really at work in his life, he's going to know pretty soon that some changes need to be made, probably without you having to tell him. And wouldn't you know it? It's almost as if God is alive. Just a couple months later, this guy said to my coworker after one of their Bible studies, he said, I know my lifestyle is wrong, and by God's grace, I'm going to change. And he changed. We don't expect people to be perfect in order to qualify for baptism at Pinkla Baptist Church. If that were the case, I probably wouldn't qualify for baptism myself. Although... Being bald, I am a step ahead of you people who still have hair. Because <laughs> I'm certain that we're all going to be bald in heaven. <laughs> I just imagined a bunch of coneheads in it anyway. <laughs> Where were we? <laughs> but his life had changed enough, and he had shown... It wasn't him on purpose showing. It was just the fruit of the Spirit coming out of his life was evident enough and his life has changed enough that we were happy to baptize him. 
and his life continues to change. And he's still faithful to Jesus Christ right now. Pretty cool. And I could not be happier. We have our challenges. We have our challenges at Pink Cloud Baptist Church. We've had what, seem, what feels right now to be taking steps backward more than forward in the last couple months. But God is at work. I'm more convinced than ever that God just frankly wants to work, when, and he will when his people simply do what he's called them, us to do. It's pretty cool, even in a place like Thailand. And I'm convinced, frankly, that God probably wants to do the same thing in and through your lives in Pinglao. You never know just by saying to the person and passing Jesus Christ offers hope and that's how I live. And you never know, it may be years later or that person comes through this door because that's what happened in Pinglao. Pretty cool. So that's where we're at and I hope it's an encouragement to you as it is to us. Pray for us, please, as we go back to Thailand in May. We're not exactly sure what the future holds, whether it's at Pinglao or somewhere else. We're kind of up in the air about that. And that doesn't make a 51-year-old guy feel really great not knowing what his next steps in life are. But we'll go back to Thailand and, and figure it out. So pray for us, would you? Pray for the people at Pinglao, too. I'm going to close right here. And then I guess we go on to a break and then to the service and so on. And so let's pray. Lord, thanks for working in and through the ministry of Binklau. We're thankful that even though there have been significant challenges over the last couple years, we see your hand at work, your word at work. And we're grateful that you've just chosen to make us a part of it. You didn't have to, but you did, and we're grateful. May this be an encouragement to the people at this church even saying something small to someone in passing and never know what that might do years later. Bless the next hour, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.